Hi, I'm Amira Khalid, and I'm the creator and host of Inspiring UAE Women, the one and only podcast focused on female leaders in the United Arab Emirates. I enjoy meeting and talking to female leaders and finding out how they charted their path to professional success. In my show, Inspiring UA Women, I will be interviewing and shining the spotlight on a diverse group of female leaders in the UAE and inspire women in the region with their success stories. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoy listening to my podcast. And if you do, please subscribe and leave your comments and ratings on iTunes and Spotify. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at Inspiring UAE Women Podcast or Instagram at IUAEW Podcast. You can also email me on inspiringuawomen at gmail.com to get in touch. My guest today is Louise Karim, Managing Director of Women at Work. Louise is an experienced communications specialist with more than 17 years experience in both the international and regional markets. Living in Dubai since 2009, Louise has led teams at leading regional and international companies focused on delivering business success through strategic communications. 2016 saw Louise take a shift in her career path when she joined the Mackenzie Jones Group to develop and lead the Women at Work business. Louise's passion for diversity and inclusion in the workplace and the insight into the target market through her own personal experience of juggling her role as a mother while still sustaining a successful career is what drove Louise to continually build the business. A dedicated mother to two young boys, Louise is very passionate about the women at work concept and the opportunity it brings to women in the region, whatever stage they are in their career or challenge they face in the workplace. She champions supporting women back to the workplace together with building the concept and uptake of flexible work opportunities in the region. Thank you so much for being on my show, Louise. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Tell us a bit about Women at Work and how did the idea come to life? Sure. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always great to share our story and share, you know, what we're doing for women here in the UAE and throughout the GCC, in fact. And so Women at Work was born five years ago now, and we did actually start as Mums at Work, and that was our original concept. The idea really was to bring women back to the workplace after they'd taken a break from maternity, but really also to champion part-time, flexible work here in the UAE, because it didn't really exist. So there was lots and lots of women out there that had so much potential and so much to give to the workforce, but were not being recognized because they'd taken a career break or not being given the flexibility that they needed to be able to, you know, balance both home and work life. So we created what was Mums at Work, which is now Women at Work. The reason we rebranded is because we got so many women coming to us who weren't mothers that said, hey, can can I join? Can I join this community? Because not only do we offer jobs, um, we also have a lot of career advice as well. We work with lots of different coaches um, throughout the region, in fact, globally, who are specialized in women's careers, particularly and the challenges that women have. So yes, we have job opportunities, but we also have lots of advice and coaching in how to progress in your job, how to switch your careers, how to become an entrepreneur throughout the career life cycle. Having worked with women so closely, do you believe professional women underrate themselves compared to men? And if true, why do you think that's the case? 
Yes, unfortunately. Um, I see women from all backgrounds, from all levels, through to sort of graduates, right through to C-suite, that have common sort of traits in terms of questioning and underrating themselves. There's actually a very good book published by an author called Sally Helgenson called How Women Rise, and it tackles 12 traits that women naturally have. So a couple of them that come to light often for me are imposter syndrome, it's the feeling that, wow, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I, didn't, I, I haven't done anything to deserve to get here. I feel like I'm an imposter in this role or in this position. Um, so it's really second-guessing yourself and not giving yourself credibility for your achievements because ultimately you've got that position for your achievements. It's very common in women. And I think it's just a, a lot of these traits, I think it's just the way that culture and society brings us up. Perfectionism is another one. So again, probably relaying back to, you know, when we were children, quite often the little girl sits there and she's perfect and she does everything perfect, you know. So we're used to being perfect or trying to be perfect. A great example is on job applications. So it's a well-known fact that women won't apply for a job unless they have maybe 95, 99% of what is asked on the job spec. However, men, Men, they'll just go for it, you know, 60% or whatever, they'll wing the rest. They have that confidence and uh, gusto to say, you know, I can do it. So I'm just going to apply for it anyway. So I guess they're less perfectionists than, than and this is, this is generalizing, but you know, it's what we see a lot. And I think the, the other third point, uh, again, there's, there's 12 traits that come out in, in this very interesting read, is that we don't ask for help enough, I feel. We don't use our connections enough. We kind of shy away from asking for help because maybe it makes us feel not as confident, not as able, or maybe we just don't want to bother people because we know that they're busy. But really using your allies, your mentors, building those relationships and actually levering those relationships, I think it's very important for women to look at in terms of their traits. So I've personally experienced uh, what you're talking about right now, especially the last two points. One regarding job application. I've referred to this in one of my earlier interviews as well. I went through the same situation with a male colleague where we were both considering a similar job and I refused to apply because I felt I didn't match 99% of the job description. While my male colleague, same academic background, same professional background, and yet he went ahead and applied. So I really resonate with what you've said right now. Do you think professional women who have children or expectant mothers are viewed as a liability by organizations? And has that perception changed in any way? I'd like to say I don't, but there are still so many instances, regionally and globally, to be honest, of women being penalized. They call it the motherhood penalty. So whether they're penalized in, you know, going for promotion because they're a certain age and they might get pregnant or they are pregnant. There's so many stories of people ask in the interview process, knocking women out of the process because they're 28 and they just got married so that they'll have children. I think the pandemic has particularly highlighted the impact it has on women. You know, we've read a survey after survey that said women, I think above 90% of people that lost their jobs were female. So obviously, there's various different reasons for that. Females being the main carer at home and things. But I do think women are still penalized because we have a dual job, right? We're going to have children and we want a career. I think there's a lot of multinationals that have great policies in place to make sure as much as possible this doesn't happen. However, you're always going to have the culture and the certain leaders that have that old set mindset. And that's what we've got to overcome. And that's what's very difficult because it's very difficult to change that. 
Um, you can have all the policies in place, but it needs to be monitored. It needs to have procedures in place to make sure it doesn't happen. I think it needs to come from the, the C-suite. It needs to come from leadership. They need to lead by example. And this is why we need more women on boards and more women in C-suite because they understand and they can be more empathetic. More diverse companies have better business results. They have better innovation. They have better profitability. They have better staff retention. So that's, I think, what we need to work on, the education process of you need a diverse team. You need diverse thinking to be successful. So therefore, companies need to build a more inclusive policy for women and for mothers to be able to do both. Your company was one of the first in the region leading in advocating the concept of flexibility and women returning to work after a career break. Have companies in the region made any strides in implementing these concepts? We've definitely seen a shift over the last five years. I'm not going to lie, when we launched, it was quite an uphill battle. My background is marketing and PR. So for me, it was about an education process for these companies. You know, coming back to the diversity, coming back to the lost talent, you really need to bring that back into the business. So there was a lot of work to do there when we started. I will give praise to a lot of SMEs. They're very good with sort of part-time and flexible work. And one of the reasons is maybe they're, you know, family owned, or it could be that they want someone, for example, they want a senior marketing lead. However, they can't afford full-time with that kind of experience. So they look at part-time as an option, which is great. Some of the larger companies as well, in the last few years, companies like AXA, EY, and a few others have worked with us on returnships. So they're a sort of a program that brings women back into the workplace, like a 12-week program, a bit like an experienced graduate program, brings them back into the workforce. It's great for the company because they get to find this talent. They get to almost try them out. It's great for the candidate because they get that step back that they really need that it's so difficult to do, especially, you know, in these times. And they get to see if it's what they still want to do, if they can manage it in the new life cycle, if if it's still where they want to be. So these returnships have been absolutely fantastic and been really, really successful. However, due to COVID and many multinationals not being back in the workplace, we've had to kind of pause those for now because you really need to be physically present, I think, to make that step back. So that's been a bit of a difficulty with us. But overall, yes, people are grasping. Again, I think the pandemic has helped because everybody's given more flexibility to a degree. We might have flexibility in terms of the location we work, but I do think some companies are expecting people to be always on, which is another problem. What's the greatest risk you've taken as a professional and did it pay off? Probably two risks, actually. The first, I left a job to have my first child. I knew that I wouldn't be able to take an extended maternity in the role that I had. I hadn't even been in it very long, maybe a year and a half, two years, and I really loved it. It was working in a PR agency, so it was very, very fast-paced, very quite stressful. I left my job and took the risk of, you know, I'll get back as and when. And it paid off. You know, I got to spend nine, ten months with my first child and I did step back into the workplace relatively easy, actually, and got a great role, which was part time. So that risk paid off. The second risk was setting up this business. So I shifted away from something I'd worked in for 20 years. And whilst a lot of stuff that we do do is sort of PR and marketing related, you know, ultimately we're kind of like a recruitment business. So I was learning a whole new world um, and a whole new world in terms of diversity and inclusion and HR. But it was something I was very passionate about and something that because I just had two children that I really understood. 
I've had this great career and why should I suffer now because I've had two children? Why should my career stop? So I wanted to stop that and, and make sure that other women had a chance and, and were given the tools that they needed to be able to succeed. So I'd say both risks have paid off, <laughs> thank goodness, but they were risks. I think something that women ignore a lot is the fact that they need to be happy with what they're doing. We work because we are comfortable or we get comfortable rather, or we're just so financially dependent on it. We completely forget the fact that we're spending a bulk of our time at this job with these people and we completely discard the happiness factor. It's very, very important and it's, it's obvious with the way women at work has flourished that you're happy at your job. Yeah, I think also I feel like I have a purpose, right? So I loved what I did before, but right now, and this is how I changed. I mentioned before if women are still happy in their old career after they've had kids. I think this is how I changed after having children. You know, if I'm going to be away from my children and I'm going to spend a lot of time doing something, I need to feel a purpose of doing it. I need to feel that it's the right thing for me to do, that it's adding value to the world almost, creating a better future. I mean, not everybody can have that opportunity but I think you still as you mentioned you still need to be satisfied and happy in your job. Could you name a woman who has inspired you the most? Okay so personally it has to be my mother. My mother was a single mother and while we were younger she had two jobs, married again, had two more kids so she had four kids from all of varying ages. She was doing a degree at the same time as having a very small baby you know she's just determined she just kept going and going and going no matter what the knocks were and she brought us up to be strong and to be resilient and to you know look after ourselves as well very proud of my mother a professional geez that's quite hard for me to stick it on one person I had a boss many years ago back in the UK. She had a lot of difficulties in terms of the men in the business, in terms of, you know, being very senior in the role. And she always overcame them. You know, she always supported her team, even, you know, if that didn't reflect well on her necessarily. But she was very true to to what she believed in. And I think that kind of set me up in a good stead for my future career. What's a leadership lesson that you've learned that's unique to being a female leader? I think empathy. We've, again, most recently read a lot about female leaders having more empathy or being more empathetic than men. Again, it's just a trait that we have. And I think leading with empathy, for me, is very important because, again, as you said, you know, these people are with you all the time, that we have to recognize people as, as human beings, not as people within our organization. We have to look holistically at their lives, not just when they're sat at their desk from nine to five, you know, and we have to support them with that. And I think if we can do that, lead with empathy, intrinsic to that are things like monitor on performance rather than presenteeism, you know, give people flexibility, understand what's going on in their lives and be able to adapt to that and support them. Um, I think that's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. As a female leader, what are three pieces of advice you would offer professional women? probably comes back to our traits earlier in terms of what we struggle with so believe in yourself and know your worth very difficult for us to do that sometimes I struggle doing that you know I have days where I'm like what am I doing here what's going on but I you know one of the ways that I manage it is I reflect back on what I've achieved I reflect back on what my peers say about me what the community feeds back to us so I know that I'm doing a good job there's a lot of things that I want to do that I just can't I don't have enough resource to be able to do 
But yeah, believe in yourself, definitely. Find mentors and allies. So, you know, all great leaders have had people that support them, people that have mentored them, people that have helped them carve their way in their career. So use those people, get their advice. They've been there and they've done it. And they've probably learned a lot from the mistakes. So, you know, make sure that you build that network. And then resilience, practice resilience. They say it's one of the most important things for our children to learn. But I also think we shouldn't forget about ourselves, you know, be resilient, find ways of overcoming the knockbacks and the setbacks and play on your strengths and to forge for the future. I think that's very important, especially right now, right? We all need to be super resilient. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my show, Louise. It was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed myself and it was lovely to meet you. Thank you. And for anybody that wants to find out more about Women at Work, they can go to our website, um, www.womenatwork.ae. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inspiring UA Women podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Louise about her journey and experiences. I learned that a lot more work needs to be done in terms of offering flexibility and supporting women in transitioning back to work after taking maternity leave how important it is to enjoy what you're doing and being happy at work and building networks and reaching out to mentors for help. If you'd like to reach out, feel free to connect with me on Facebook at Inspiring UA Women Podcast, Instagram at IUAW Podcast, or email me on inspiringuawomen at gmail.com. See you next Thursday.